I wish I could say I was clever enough to have come up with this sermon title series, but I saw it somewhere and I stole it. I don't remember where I saw it. Um, but we're going to look over the next four Sundays as we celebrate Christmas. We're going to look at a series of very fortunate events. And this morning we're looking at the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth. It's found in Luke chapter 1. And I'm just going to start reading, and I'm going to begin reading with verse 5. In the days of King Herod of Judea, there was a priest of Abijah's division named Zechariah. His wife was from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. Both were righteous in God's sight, living without blame according to all the commands and requirements of the Lord. But they had no children because Elizabeth could not conceive, and both of them were well along in years. When his division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, it happened that he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. At the hour of incense, the whole assembly of the people was praying outside. An angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and overcome with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, because your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will name him John. There will be joy and delight for you, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord and will never drink wine or beer. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit while still in his mother's womb. He will turn many of the sons of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the understanding of the righteous, to make ready for the Lord a prepared people. How can I know this, Zechariah asked the angel, for I am an old man and my wife is well along in years. The angel answered him, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. Now listen, you will become silent and unable to speak until the day these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their proper time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah, amazed that he had stayed so long in the sanctuary. When he did come out, he could not speak to them. They then realized that he had seen a vision in the sanctuary. He kept making signs to them and remained speechless. When the days of his ministry were completed, he went back home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived and kept herself in seclusion for five months. She said, The Lord has done this for me. He has looked with favor in these days to take away my disgrace among the people. I'm going to read another section in just a moment, but it's amazing to me when I read through the Bible how many things are prophesied. In fact, our sermon series that we start tonight, we're going to be looking at some Old Testament passages, some of them probably not as well known as others, where we see that God's plan the entire time, ever since Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, God's plan was to send His Son to die for us. Paul actually told us that it was before the foundations of the world were laid that God already had this in mind. And yet He still chose to create us and put us here knowing that we were going to rebel, knowing that we were going to sin, knowing that we were going to throw creation into this mess, and knowing what it was going to cost at the cross. It's also amazing to me how many different people God used to achieve His purpose. When you look at the genealogy in Matthew and later on in Luke's gospel, you see various people. Some of them are kind of surprising, especially when you look through Matthew's gospel. 
But it, like I said, it never ceases to amaze me how God will use people, people who don't even believe or don't understand that they could be used. And I think Zechariah and Elizabeth probably fall into that category. Now, it's important to note that these were godly people. I mean, he is a priest. She is a daughter of Aaron, which means she was descended from the priestly line as well. And for whatever reason, I believe it was for God's purpose, they are older, much like Abraham and Sarah were. They're late in their years and they've never had children. Now that may not seem like a big deal in today's society. A lot of people don't want children today. But especially at that time, in that culture, to not have children, people assumed certain things. They assumed that either you were not godly and you were not righteous and God had not blessed you with children. Or they assumed that maybe there was personal sin between you and your spouse and that prevented you from having children. But in this case, that just wasn't so. It was just a biological thing that she had not been able to have a child. And once again, maybe this sounds confusing to us today, but that would have been disgraceful, especially to a priest, especially to a descendant of Aaron. It was important to perpetuate your bloodline. It was important to have children to carry on the name. But we, here we have Zachariah and Elizabeth, and I don't mean to offend anybody, but old Zachariah and old Elizabeth living life the way they always have, obedient, faithful, godly people serving the Lord. And it's interesting, not every priest was able to go perform duties in the temple. We see here that they cast lots. And if your name was drawn to go burn incense in the holy place of the temple, that was a big deal. Some priests would live their entire life and never get this opportunity. So this was a huge honor for Zechariah to be drawn and to go do this very special ministry of worship in the temple. So once again, godly Zechariah, he's in Jerusalem. He's, he's serving his term or his tour of duty, if you will. And his name is drawn. They say, Zechariah, you're going to go burn incense in the presence of the Lord. So he's obedient. He goes in. And what would happen is the priest would go in to the Holy of Holies, not the Holy of Holies, but the holy place where the altar, the incense altar and the table of the showbread was there. And the people would gather outside. And one of the things that the incense did was signal to the people to pray and to worship God. The smoke would rise up and people would see the smoke of the incense and they would worship God. So he's serving as their worship leader in the presence of God. And once again, this was a very honorable thing to do. And not all priests were chosen to do it. So Zechariah goes in, faithful, humble, Zechariah, and he's burning the incense. And the people outside see the smoke rising up before the presence of the Lord and they're praying. And then all of a sudden an angel pops up. Now, if you go and read through the Old Testament, whenever angels popped up, that was a big deal. Angels just didn't visit every single person. And usually when an angel showed up, there was a message. And quite often the message was scary. Quite often the message was something that the person receiving it did not want to hear. Go back sometimes when you have the time and flip through all the occasions where angels appeared to people, both in the Old Testament and in the New. And their response is what? They're terrified. They're fearful. 
In Sunday school class this morning, I was teaching Robin's class and we were talking about the four living creatures and the cherubim. And I Google searched and showed some pictures of those heavenly creatures. And they were sitting there looking like, well, that thing's kind of scary. That thing is weird looking. Well, this is Gabriel. He appears in the form of a man, but Zechariah understands what's happening. He understands that this is an angel of the Lord. And he understands that if an angel appears to you while you're standing in the holy place burning incense, then one of two things has happened. You've done something wrong and the angel has come to kill you. And once again, that may sound shocking to us, but that had to have passed through Zechariah's mind. Did I do something wrong? I've been waiting for this moment my whole life. I've practiced everything. Is this angel going to kill me because I did something wrong? That was probably first and foremost in his mind. I've done something wrong and now the Lord is going to kill me right here in the temple. But in the back of his mind, so what does this angel have to say to me? Why has this angel appeared? I understand that angels only appear to certain people at certain times for certain reasons. And it says he's overcome with fear. He's not just a little nervous. He's not just a little shaky. He's terrified because of what the ramifications might be. It's interesting, especially when you look at the Christmas story. When angels show up in the Christmas story, what is almost the very first thing they say? Don't be afraid. The angel understands what's going through Zachariah's mind. He's like, you don't have to worry. You're doing what you're supposed to. You're right where God wants you to be. Don't be afraid. I want to tell you something. Now, much like Abraham and Sarah, when they received the news that they were going to have children, you remember what they did, don't you? They laughed. Well, for Zechariah, being in the situation he's in, given the, the duty that he's performing, it's not as funny to him. I imagine there's still some doubt. I imagine that the same thing is going through Abraham's mind. The same thing going through Sarah's mind. He obviously doesn't laugh in the face of this angel in the holy place of the Lord. But notice what Gabriel says. He's like, you're going to have a son. You're going to name him John. That's not an option. You name him John. The culture would have dictated he would have named his child Zachariah. His firstborn son would have been named after him. But the angel says, I want you to listen and pay attention while I have it. Your wife's going to have this son. He's going to be special. He has a purpose. You're going to name him John. He's going to be great in the sight of the Lord. And it may seem odd about that not drinking beer or wine, but he's going to take the Nazarite vow. Alcohol won't touch his lips. Alcohol won't touch his mother's lips. He is set apart for a special holy purpose for the Lord. He's going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And remember, that's something that did not happen with regularity in the Old Testament. We understand because Jesus died and was buried and raised from the dead when we're baptized into Christ. It says we are filled with His Holy Spirit, but that did not happen in the Old Testament. Occasionally the Lord would pour out His Spirit upon certain people for certain times and certain activities. But notice Gabriel says, this son of yours, John, he's going to be filled with the Holy Spirit before he's ever born. He's special. He's set apart. God has a plan says he's going to go before him, the Messiah, in the power of Elijah. That may sound odd to us. What's so special about Elijah? Well, if you read the very last book in the Old Testament in Malachi, the very last thing God says before he goes silent between the Testaments, he says, 
I'm sending one in the spirit of Elijah to let you know when the anointed one, the Messiah, is going to come. That's going to be the sign. The prophet Malachi said, you'll know the Messiah is coming when Elijah comes before him. A lot of people just assumed Elijah was going to come back down from heaven. But the angel is telling Zechariah, your son is the fulfillment of that prophecy in Malachi. The prophets foretold your son being born. And he's going to prepare the people for the Messiah, the one who will turn them back to the Lord. And we know John's message. When you see John the Baptist show up, you remember what his message was? Repent. The kingdom of the Lord is coming. John himself pointed back to the prophet saying, I'm the one sent to make straightway the paths so people can find the Messiah. And Zechariah is being told all of this while standing in the holy place of the temple, terrified for his life. And notice I said, he didn't laugh like Abraham and Sarah, but notice what he says. He's like, how's this going to happen? I try to be real careful and not judgmental about people for not believing. I'm 50 years old, and if an angel showed up and told me I was going to have another son, I would say the same thing. How's that going to happen? He's much older than I am. They are physically beyond the point where they should be able to even have children. So it's an honest question. It's an honest inquiry. Much like Abraham and Sarah, he's not being unbelieving intentionally. It just makes no sense. Makes no sense. He's like, not only am I old, my wife is well beyond the age when she can have children. And the angel said, look, I'm Gabriel. I'm God's special spokesman. And if God sent me to tell you this, it doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter your circumstances or your situation. God is going to do exactly what He said. And to prove to you, from this moment on, you're not going to be able to talk. God's going to seal your mouth. When you walk out of this temple, you're not going to be able to speak. You're not going to be able to say anything until your son is born. And it's interesting. The people outside notice. It's not real hard to notice when the preacher here goes over. We got a clock back there. We have watches. If I get too close to the time we're supposed to stop, I can look out there and tell, okay, hey, time to stop. <laughs> well, they understood. This is something they did. And they've noticed he's been in there an awful long time. The incense has stopped burning. What's going on? Where is he? They understood that if you went inside the temple as a priest and you did something wrong, God would strike you dead. You know why they knew that? Because God said that's exactly what would happen. Not just in the Holy of Holies, that one special day that they could go in there, but even those that went inside to burn incense and lead worship, if they did anything wrong, God would strike them dead. You see instances of it happen in the Old Testament. Aaron's sons are killed because it said they brought strange fire before the Lord. So the people out there, they've been praying, they've been worshiping, it's, it's getting late. No sign of Zechariah. There's no incense, and so they start asking, what's going on? What has happened? Is he dead? There's a Jewish tradition, it's not anywhere in Scripture, but Jewish tradition says they would tie ropes around the priests that would go in, especially the high priests on the Day of Atonement, so that if they did something and died they would be able to pull them out. Because, like I said, not just anyone could go in. 
And they're sitting there going, and something happened. Is Zechariah dead? What in the world did he do? And then all of a sudden, Zechariah comes out, and they realize God must have spoken to him. This is unusual. So imagine they're asking questions. What happened, Zechariah? What's going on? And he can't say a word. How would you like to have had an experience with an angel and can't tell anybody? Whenever something good happens, I like to tell people. He's been visited by Gabriel, not just any angel, Gabriel. And Gabriel said, you and your wife are finally going to have a son, but not just any son, a son filled with the Spirit of the Lord who is going to make way the Messiah. And he can't tell a single person. That had to be horrible. And it says he's sitting there motioning. And I don't know what motion he would do to let him know that there was an angel. I don't know what he was doing. We don't even know angels had wings. That's an artist's conception. But he's doing his best to convey what happened. And then his time was up, and he went back home to his wife. And imagine that. Imagine, guys, you go back home to your wife and say, how did it go? And you just don't say anything. All right, Zachariah, what happened? Tell me, what, what happened? It says they stay there. And then God kept his word. And Elizabeth finds out she's pregnant and she stays in seclusion for five months. Not really sure why. Some scholars think that perhaps she stayed in seclusion to make sure the pregnancy lasted. That she was really pregnant. But notice what she says in verse 25. The Lord has done this for me. He has looked with favor in these days to take away my disgrace among the people. And now I want to look at the rest of that story because what happens next is we see Gabriel visit Mary. And that's next Sunday. We're going to look at that next Sunday. But let's finish the story about Zechariah and Elizabeth. So stay right there in Luke 1. And let's jump down to verse 57 because like I said, this section with Mary and Elizabeth and Gabriel, we're going to look at next week. So time has passed. It's been nine months or so and it's time for Elizabeth to have this baby. Remember, Zechariah the whole time can't say a word, can't talk, can't speak, but he knows. He remembers, I guarantee you, he remembers what happened. It says, The time had come for Elizabeth to give birth, and she had a son. Then her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her his great mercy, and they rejoiced with her. Can you imagine that? Imagine, think about the way we act when someone that we love or someone in our family has a new baby. It's a celebration. Oh, let me see the baby. Taking pictures. Now we have social media, but let's see the baby. Can I hold the baby? Now imagine that situation if you're a woman well beyond the years where you can have a baby and God has blessed you. Can you imagine the celebration? Can you imagine all the ladies? And I'm, I'm not picking on you ladies, but you are the ones that typically do that. Guys were like, yeah, whatever. But even the guys are excited because they understand that this is unique and the ladies are all there, and they're looking at this baby, this miracle child. And they understand that this is God doing this in His great mercy. And as good Jewish parents, it's time to circumcise the child, and that's when you would name the child. And poor Zachariah still can't say anything. He can't talk. In verse 59, it says, When they came to circumcise the child on the eighth day, they were going to name him Zachariah after his father. 
And I imagine they asked Zachariah, he's going to be Zachariah, right? And Zachariah can't say anything. But notice his mother. Once again, this may not seem like a big deal, but in this culture, this is breaking protocol. Since Zachariah can't talk, the next oldest male member of the family would be responsible. And she steps in and says, hold up, no, no. The angel says his name is John. We're naming him John. I can remember going through all the, the conversations. I'll, that's the word I'll use. When we were going to name all of our children, and we had different ideas. And all these guys, these men, are looking at Zachariah saying, you're going to let her name him John? He's going to be Zachariah, right? Zachariah, after you, to carry on your name. And notice what he does. He's like, there's nobody named Zachariah. Where'd you get this name? Zachariah, we're going to name him Zachariah, not John. And he called for a tablet or something to be written on. That his name is John. Zachariah is obedient. He understands. And everybody's amazed. John, where did that come from? It's supposed to be Zachariah Jr. And the second, it says immediately, the second Zachariah writes down his name is John in obedience to God's word. His mouth was open, his tongue was set free, and he began to speak and praise God. Now look at verse 65. You would think that would be exciting. What happens? It says, now the people are frightened. What in the world is going on? What are we a part of? We thought this was a baby shower. What in the world is happening here? And it said, fear came on all those who lived around them, and all these things were being talked about all throughout the hill country of Judea. All who heard about him took it to heart, saying, What then will this child become? For indeed the Lord's hand was with them. Can you imagine, guys? You've had this secret. You've had this story you wanted to tell for nine months and you couldn't say a word. And now all of a sudden your mouth's open. Man, there's no telling what he was telling them. I imagine he was excited. His eyes were lit up. Well, you, first of all, he's got a son. But then he's telling the story, and Gabriel was there. Yes, that Gabriel. And I didn't believe, so he, he shut me up. And then Zechariah is filled with the Holy Spirit. And as he stands there, and I think I've got a picture up there. It's from a movie. But imagine now Zechariah, an old man, holding this child, this promised miracle child of God, understanding that this child is special. And now it says Zechariah is filled with the same Holy Spirit. And in verse 67, it says, He prophesied. Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, because He has visited and provided redemption for His people. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of His servant David. Just as He spoke by mouth of His holy prophets in ancient times, salvation from our enemies and from the clutches of those who hate us. He has dealt mercifully with our fathers and remembered His holy covenant, the oath He swore to our father Abraham. He has given us the privilege since we have been rescued from our enemies' clutches to serve Him without fear, in holiness, in righteousness, in presence, His presence all our days. And child, you will be called a prophet of the Most High. For you will go before the Lord to prepare His ways to give His people knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. Because of God's merciful compassion, 
The dawn from on high will visit us to shine on those who live in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. And then my favorite part of all that, if that's not great enough, this shows you that Zechariah and Elizabeth understood and that they were godly people and that this was truly a fortunate event, not just for them, but for the entire world. Their son is the one who's going to proclaim that Jesus is the Messiah for the very first time. And they take it seriously. That last verse there, it says, The child grew up and became spiritually strong, and he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance to Israel. We don't know how long his mom and dad lived after that, but they raised him understanding his purpose. They raised him understanding why he had been sent. And the next time you see John the Baptist, you remember what he's doing? He's in the wilderness preaching. He's in the wilderness being obedient to the word that was spoken to his father. He's preparing the way for the Messiah. And I know that may seem like an odd story at Christmas, but Christmas is about the birth of the Messiah. And as I've said in some of my devotions, if you're watching those on Facebook, we can't come before the manger and worship the baby in the manger without understanding that he grew up and he went to the cross. I imagine Zachariah and Elizabeth never in their wildest imaginations would have guessed that they would be used in the story of the redemption of the world. That their son, remember what Jesus said about John? He's more honored than any man who had ever been born. And they are an important, interesting part of the Christmas story. In fact, Elizabeth's going to show up again next week because we find out that somehow her and Mary are related. And John's going to show up one more time next week. But you've got to come back next week and see that. So our closing hymn this morning...